And welcome to episode five of Article 23. Sonia and Kutsi here again today in the hosting chair and I'm beaming ear to ear. We have the band back together again. Hello, James Hancock. Great to be back as part of the band. Uh, not sure what I'm going to play. I think the triangle uh, is probably best. Play the bass. That's what the cool people play. I'm not qualified. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. Rhonda's laughing a little bit hard at that. Welcome, yeah, Rhonda Brighton Hall. Great to be here and great to have James back. Team, big day. This is episode five. Yes. Champagne time? Yes. Always. Oh, well. <laughs> that was a very decisive conversation. Look, huge response. We're in com completely humbled and yes. super proud. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud and keep telling your friends about it because our following is growing and we're so grateful for your feedback. Um, so today... We were a little bit shady on the topic uh, of today's podcast last week. Um, and look, let's be honest, the reason that was is because we knew that if we mentioned it, we'd be like little kids on Christmas and get too excited and need to record it and release it straight away. So really pleased to say we're going to be spending today really looking at culture and what matters. And look, this is a topic we are frankly obsessed with and we know a whole lot about it. But before we do that, let's have an awesome conversation. Oh, a gorgeous, cute little segue. We like to talk about changes that actually matter. And this one came to us from one of our community that's over in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia at the moment looking at some architectural work. And they sent us um, this thing that's done in one of the shopping malls over there called Autzen. And what they do in this shopping mall is every Tuesday between 10 and 5, they actually make the shopping experience attractive and suitable for people on the autistic spectrum disorder. So um, what they do is they have um, sound down, so not as loud. Mm. They have lights dim, so not as bright. And they have trained staff, particularly for dealing with children with ASD, but wow. equally for adults and making it more comfortable for them as well. I thought it was such a beautiful change. Mm. And the fact that it's not this once a, once of a year or sort of thing like mm. we have with Quiet Santas, which are also a great program, but only once a year. Yeah. Um, this is like an every Tuesday, which means that a family could mm. literally choose to do their shopping on Tuesdays because they know it's going to be a better experience for them. This is a stuff, that's what real inclusion is. Yes, that's absolutely just designing it. Because it will also, a lot of us would probably rather go shopping when it's all a bit um, subdued. Yeah, well, I wear my sunglasses <laughs> and headphones shopping anyway, so that's my normal experience. But, um, so you've got a, yeah. a self awesome Exactly. <laughs> Look, I love that conversation. Thank you. Um, now let's talk about culture. So this is something we've debated a lot in terms of what we're going to share in today's podcast and wanted to start with the question that has left us bamboozled. Um, James, is culture, is it a poster or is it a mouse mat? Mouse mat. Good. <laughs> Again, another definitive answer from the team at moi. What happens if there's a poster and a mouse mat? Yeah, look, sometimes there is. Sometimes there's all kind, there's mugs, there's all kind of stuff. I know that this question is a joke though, so I'll answer it a little more seriously. The answer is sometimes those elements capture parts of culture. It might be a spouse values, behaviors, stuff like that. That just scratches the surface. There's a place for it. It is worthwhile, particularly if those things change. Yeah. But ultimately, culture is more important than that. It's what is said, what is done, and how we go about it. It's how we treat each other, every single person, which extends out to our customers as well as internally. It's almost like a how it feels to be yeah. here. Totally. 
And look, culture is something that we all know you can feel in the air. And it's not um, it's not a report, but a great example is in a place I used to work, you know, when we'd meet a candidate, they'd been in the building for five minutes. And the first thing they'd say when they walked into the interview room is, wow, you've got a great culture here. And I'd think, wow, how did you learn that? How did you absolve that so quickly? Mm. And it was that while sitting, waiting for this interview for a couple of minutes, Three different people came and said, hey, can I get you anyone? Do you need a glass of water? Are you comfortable? So people just actually being interested, checking in on each other, that shares a lot about what it's like to work there. Yeah. Yeah. And the other side of that is I had a great friend Mm -hmm. who went for an interview in one of Australia's biggest companies Mm -hmm. and she walked into the foyer and she sat there for about 10 minutes waiting for the interview and she actually just left sending them a message going, "Ah, thanks, but I withdraw. And the reason she Mm -hmm. did it is because nobody who walked into that building looked at her smiled at her had any interest in any of each other or anybody else and that the person who was running like the reception desk actually was like i'm sorry you just need to fill in the ipad and she's Mm. like okay if that's if we're going to deal with robotic people that's not really where i belong so ceo can say what they like about the culture in that organization but right here right now the reception and the receptionist is actually setting the culture for people coming in and it's a bad one. Wow, I love that example. So there's a whole lot of things that are important in culture, um, but we've debated what what is the central most important thing? I I think the most important thing about culture is trust. And so it's this situation that you absolutely trust and understand what's expected of you and what's expected of other people around you and how they treat you. And it becomes something that if you say, this is a culture I really like, and I know that my colleagues are all signing up to it too. This is how we treat each other. I know that I'm included. I know that we'll act ethically. I know we always put our customers first. These are the things you just mm. rely on. Yeah. And if you're coming in as a new person, it's really important to know that what you were promised is actually what's yeah. happening. That's yeah. trust, yeah. trust in the proposition. But equally, in, inside the organization, it's that if someone doesn't behave within those rules, the rules that you all know and trust and sign up to, what happens to them? Yeah. Yeah. And if they're allowed to just run amok and keep breaking it, then they're breaking culture. And likewise, you, you need to stop that. So there's sort of consequences for getting it wrong, yeah. and you can trust that and predict that. Yeah. And likewise, there's an expectation that not many people do get it wrong. So building off this, you know, I completely agree, this core proposition of trust is what helps culture live or die. Um, building off that, you know, we talked about culture being the way it feels to work here. What are the three most important things that we can be doing every single day to actually build and maintain culture within our teams and organisations? Yeah, so I think the extension from trust is that every individual owns culture and has an ongoing role to play in creating it and upholding it. Yeah. I think that the rituals within culture are clear and explicit every time. I think that culture, if it really matters, it's always prioritised and it's held to account by every person every day. So, love that, James. Let's go a little bit deeper. Culture starting and ending with every person. I, I love the every person role, so I'm going to mm. jump in on that one because yeah. um, we see so many times people critiquing or talking about culture or putting it, you know, oh, the culture's like this and I'm going to fix it. We need to do a cultural transformation. Lucky I arrived, that sort of thing. But culture is actually every single person mm. and each of us gets an opportunity to choose how we treat each other, how we expect others to treat us, how we expect people to treat our customers, how we expect ethical decisions to be made. All of that sort of jazz is an every person role. And likewise, leaders can't critique the culture, even if they're the new boss. They do have to own their role in the system. And and I think the best example of that that I really liked is when you see a CEO describing poor behavior, Mm. but the CEO has had a role 
in perhaps setting wages that are really tough to live on. And so if you set wages that are really tough to live on and you set incentives that uh, are pretty close to the wire and you put those two things together and then someone does make a decision because their kid needs to go to the dentist just to do something that's sort of right close to the edge of ethical culture, you've really got to, as a CEO, own the fact that you put both those things in place. Yep. Wages are a little bit too tough mm. and bonuses that are a little bit too easy and together they make a pretty bad system for a person to make decisions in. I love that. So every person really makes an impact. Yes. So what's the next one, James? Rituals. Yeah, so I think on rituals, um, it's highly visible. An example I'd use in this one is all about meetings. So I think it's not just physically how a meeting occurs. It's not just the way you do it and the kind of mechanics. It's how you treat people, how you include diverse opinions across the group. What do you hold as important? So is punctuality important to you? Or does the 12 o'clock meeting mean 10 past 12 every time? (laughs) Um, what's the purpose of the meeting? Is it for a decision? Is it to progress an idea? Um, is it to brainstorm storm something that's totally new? So I think that um, rituals are all about being clear and explicit, what's expected every time. Everyone knows what they are and holds you to account if you deviate. I yep. think the best rituals are so, you know, it's something, again, owned by every person, just yep. to link the first two together. And so, you know, how you know if a ritual works and is valuable in your organisation is if it exists beyond the leader. Yeah, and also yeah. you can feel it, can't you? Yeah. Like James's meeting example is really great. Yeah. So if you take your leader into James' mm. meeting example, um, when a leader walks into the room, you can feel whether people in that meeting yeah. are like, yay, we all get to have this meeting, it's really important that we discuss this topic, or whether they go, the boss is here and I'm terrified, I probably won't speak for the next hour. Yeah. Mm. And that's in the air. And so you can't fake culture, it's actually everyone can <laughs> feel it and see it. Mm. So, last one, culture has to be prioritised. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Unanimous agreement. <laughs> and the, the obvious example of prioritising is something like safety. Yeah. So, if safety is absolutely important, then you always talk about the first five minutes of every meeting, all that sort of jazz. Uh, but equally, if... Um, You've got a situation where you've put time and effort and energy and investment into getting yeah. it right. And I saw an example of this was absolutely beautiful when I lived in Europe. And one of the organisations we used to partner with a lot had this uh, view of the custom coming first was always every single person on the team needed to make ethical decisions. Mm. So they actually did a program of work over a couple of years where people went through some pretty wicked ethical problems because ethics going, here's the policy, there's 47 of them, read through that and get it right, mm. is one way. Another way is getting these ethical dilemmas where it's not actually black and white, but you've got to choose the right shade of grey close to one or the other. Yeah. And what they did with those ethical dilemmas, and you saw it come to life in their culture, is once people have been through these workshops and understood how to have a debate around ethics, every single person in that organisation could actually solve and quickly solve and had good discussions around ethical dilemmas mm. um, so that you were constantly balancing the rights and good of the customer with any sort of need that you had to support the organisation and made sure you got the balance right mm. so the customer was always first. I thought it was a great example. And so the things that go into prioritisation are time, energy, effort and investment. Yep. yep. You're saying to people, walk away from your day job and learn this because it's so important. Yeah. yeah. And it's creating space for those um, important conversations as well. So I've heard of examples where you know, again, to the ethical one where you know that it takes a whole lot of time, you know that it takes all of those things, um, you get what you think is a really good amount of time aside and you have some good debates, but you only get, you know, 10% of the way through a list of stuff that's really important. Uh, a cultural mark would be not making the time to go back to those in the right way. 
and I think you t- t- touched on it, Rhonda, with the European example of it's multi-year. It's not a if it's part of your culture, it's not one initiative, one conversation yeah. that happens at a leadership yeah. group. It's something that evolves over time. It's not an initiative constantly. du jour, as we say. Yeah, that just totally. makes me want soup every time we talk about that. I think I would really like some soup today. Delicious. <laughs> Look, thank you so much for the fun conversation. James, just to round us out, what are the top three things that matter most with culture? Yeah, so the top three were that every individual owns culture and plays a role. Uh, the next one is that rituals are critical, they're clear and explicit, and that culture really matters. It's prioritised every single time and people always hold it to account. Fantastic. Nice summary. Yeah. Thank you. Bang on, mate. So (laughs) thank you so much. Loved it. Such a fun conversation. Now, if you want to dive deeper into culture, we've got just the place for you to go. Okay. So take 10 seconds. I want you to now open your internet browser. Good, good, good. Typing. You've got it open. Now type into your web browser, www.moi, which is M-W-A-H.live. And I want you to visit our knowledge base in our blogs where you can immerse your thing, immerse yourself, sorry, into all things culture. James, is there anything particular you'd send people to? I would, and that was a clue to plug the boss, I think. <laughs> so, and I hint, pick, hint. And, I, and I picked up on it. Um, so look. Subtle. <laughs> I like subtlety. Um, so I think there's a really good one here. I'd make full use of moi.live's amazing search functionality, and that is finding the article from Rhonda called The Vanilla Slice as a Metaphor for Organizational Culture has some terrific clues in there and talks a little bit about cakes and we love sweets here. Yeah, baked goods are... Especially vanilla slice. Oh man. Look, I'm a hot cross bun girl but (laughs) each to their own. Look, (laughs) next week, what are we talking about, Rhonda? We are going to do two things. One is we've got our five funniest job titles we've come across and we see so many that these are actually very, very good. Mm. And the second thing we're going to talk about is this jargon around employee experience and not just the jargon, but Mm. way beyond the jargon. How do you design an employee experience, a way of working together that's actually unique, matters and makes a difference to working with you? Cannot wait for that discussion. But for today, that is a moi from us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.